0: Sometimes starting over means discovering who we are and not allowing ourselves to be weighed down by shame, guilt, or regret. And sometimes that discovery makes us realize we have nothing to be ashamed about at all. My guest today, Eric Feltes, is the perfect example of taking his own experience with trauma and identity discovery and turning it into something beautiful by creating a safe space filled with love and acceptance for others like him. You're listening to We Need to Talk.
1: So you got something
0: to everyone. Welcome to another episode of We Need to Talk. My guest today is an actor, a life coach, but most importantly, one of my very good friends, Eric Feltes. Welcome to
1: the show. I am so glad that my top priority is to be your friend. That's such yes. an honor. <laughs> I'm and
0: putting that, you're that you're on my sure resume. I have friends on the show. I... I I always tell them, I'm like, I could prepare. I could not. I don't know. We're just going to have a conversation. But with you, we talk all the time. And we've grown very, very close over the last couple of years. So I'm I'm really excited to have you here. It Um, is an honor. Oh, of course. Thank you. So as I've been talking about you know, this, this month, um, a lot of my guests, we've been talking about just like new beginnings, starting over. And that's just kind of how people view a new year. And it's usually the time when people make big decisions, create new paths for themselves, so on and so forth. And as I mentioned, you're an actor, but you also took a really big step recently to become a life coach, specifically for gay men to overcome church shame, which I think is very, very important. And I'm glad that you've gone down this path and had this avenue. But I want to talk a little bit about your personal journey in your life that made this seem like the best move for you. And then I want to get into how your personal journey has positively impacted the people that you've been doing life coaching for.
1: Yes. I love that. Well, um, like I said, it's such a joy to be here. Like you and I know each other on, you know, when the cameras are off or the the microphones are off as well, but to be able to talk to you in your space is just, I've been looking forward to this for a long time. So thank you for the opportunity. Um, You know, I think that everything leads us to the moment, to the present moment. Right. And I look back at my life and I I've always been in the business of people um, after college, I was a teacher for five years. I taught Spanish and theater. I directed the fall plays and the spring musicals. And even when I was still in the closet, I was able to see the intricacies of um, of therapy. Um, and, and we'll get into this, but to be very clear, therapy and life coaching are different. But just how transformative the experience of therapy, uh, excuse me, of acting and being in a performance can be for young people. <clears throat> And to be able to sort of relive that with them in that way was such a blessing. So I did that. Um, I've always sort of been involved in, um, you know, in community theaters and directing as well. And um, I did a camp. I, I helped to start a camp in Aurora, Illinois, where I'm from, called Peace Players. Uh, it's at a it was at a, um, a UCC church, which is a very open and affirming church. Um, And that's a two week camp in which we, you know, explored what peace meant through the arts. Um, And all of these things were incredible learning experiences for me. And going from that to, you know, continuing my career as an actor to moving to Los Angeles and and getting deeper down into into that career as well. I realized that everything led me to this moment. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm in the business of people. And so I love connecting with people. I also have a master's in educational leadership, which I know gives me a lot of that along with, you know, having many years of practice of lesson planning, I think gives me a lot of tangible tools to be um, an appropriate, a a successful and efficient life Mm -hmm. coach for for these gay men. But then to get down into the niche of it, of of working with gay men who've been burned by the church, you know, that's from my own life experiences. And you know, I would love your take on this as a person of color. I'm sure it's true for other marginalized groups, but I can only speak on on what I know. And I think that, you know, when you grow up closeted, you are a natural healer. I think that we heal when we heal others. I think that love is infinite. Um, I wish more people felt that way. And so when we love other people, we are nourished and we are loved. And so I think that, I think about crying at, this, at the top of my parents' steps when I was in seventh grade and it, and it dawned on me that I was different than other kids, sobbing, desperately praying to God, please take this out of me, change mm. me. Um, I mean, but I didn't because I'm stubborn, right? <laughs> Fast forwarding a little bit, I was engaged to a woman. I went to an evangelical church. Um, I came out of the closet six months before the wedding. Um say the dates were already out. So I was hurting a lot of people um, and myself. Yeah. And if I can use those tools, you know, it, I, I fully believe that, you know, when I prayed to God, God change me. God said, I will and I am hmm. just not in the way that you think, not in the way that your human brain at this moment can understand. Yeah, yeah. So to go, Melinda, from a place of feeling like my queerness is intolerable to feeling like I can tolerate it to the transformative process of being so grateful that I'm gay mm. and seeing it as a blessing from God. And I'm so glad that God did not answer my prayer in seventh grade. I don't want to keep that to myself.
0: Yeah,
1: I get emotional thinking about it because I think of these people that message me every day that are crying themselves to sleep at night. And Melinda, this is a bleeding neck problem. Mm-hmm. This isn't a let's have a, a short conversation and put a Band-Aid on cancer. It, it, it took me 30-ish years to learn to truly, truly love myself. And if I can help other people do that, I mean, I feel like I'm the luckiest person in the world.
0: I've talked about this so many times on the show. And I think maybe it's just the type of guests that I attract to being on the show. But what I love about your story is that you truly did become the thing that you didn't have for other people. Mm. And I think that... When you step into your purpose in that way, like, and especially when, like, when God's telling you to do something, because to me, it's obvious that God put this on your heart to be that light for other people, specifically for gay men that have gone through church shame. Like, you can't ignore it. You have to move forward and you have to do it. And I love that you just kind of answered that call in that way. And you're giving back. You're giving back. You realized who you are as a gift. That's how God made you. So I want other people to realize that. And I think it's really, really powerful when you step into your purpose in that way. So I'm glad you did it. I'm glad Amen. you did it. Yeah. But one thing I will say, and what I love about what you are doing, is social media obviously is a cesspool of crap. We all know this, <laughs> right? <laughs> and, but you, you, you've gained a lot of traction on your social media by coming into your own. And I've loved watching you grow and just be fully proud of your identity and who you are. And we've talked about this personally, but how have you managed to deal with some of the backlash and the hate and the vitriol that you get from specifically evangelical Christian communities that don't agree with what you're doing and that you're saying your identity is a gift from God?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. You know, just like I was sobbing at the top of my parents' foot, you know, um, or uh, stairs in their house in seventh grade, feeling this immense pain, that childhood trauma was reactivated when I started posting videos about mm, what I do. So I that. would, yeah. So I would post videos about, you know, being both gay and a Christian and how my, my homosexuality is a, is a gift from God. And oh my goodness, does that rub some people the wrong way? <laughs> so when I was a little less mindful or before I did some of this extra work, um, because what, what happens, I don't, I don't believe in regression. We don't regress. So when we feel those Things we're not, we don't get in a time machine and go backwards to that place when I was in seventh grade. But what happens is we are reminded that that's not resolved.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: when we're not mindful, we don't know that. And again, and I've said this before, but I'll say it again we try to put a band aid on cancer, and that could be in the place of trying to change that one person's mind. And that is exhausting. There are not enough band aids in the world yeah. to cover up all of the evangelical, not all evangelical is like right. this, but all of that crap right? Yeah. because it's, it's yeah, just, yeah. and it's also not our jobs. So instead of outwardly defending what happens if I turn inward and focus on myself and start to love myself more. So now, and it's taken a long time to get to this point. I look at it as data. There's several things I think. A, thank you for keeping me in business because the longer <laughs> you you know, favor me by commenting and like, not liking, but commenting and pushing back. And the more conversations we have in the DMs or in the, you know, the comments, the more the algorithm will push that yeah. video out. Right, so thank right. you for the gift. Yeah. Um, yeah. and two, I fully believe that every single thing comes from a place of fear or of love. And to be very clear, I would say most things come from some space in between. I, I don't believe in, um, you know, this binary way of thinking of there's good, there's bad, there's, you know, light, there's dark, mm-hmm. there's gay, there's straight, right? right. <laughs> um, it, I think that everything comes from either, you know, fear or love or some mix in between, right? So when someone comments on my page that I'm an abomination, that they're praying for my salvation, that what I'm doing is wrong, and it's just, it comes, it, it looks, it looks like it comes from a place of rage. I, I, I think how sad and how scary for you Mm. that you are in a place where you think the best way to try to process what you're feeling is to purge that pain onto me. Brene Brown calls blame the discharge of pain, right? So I could fight fire with fire and get nowhere or I could recognize that that's data that this person is really, really hurting and they don't Mm. have the tools necessary to heal. The other thing I think about Melinda is hurt people hurt people. So yeah. I'm not going to let it get to me anymore. But what are they saying to their younger brother who's ex- who is all- who just cried on the on the top of their parents' steps last night. Yeah. What are they saying to themselves? You know there's there's there're studies that show that people who express anti-gay rhetoric are, are gay themselves.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. I believe that to be true. Mm-hmm. And so as a person who's more evol- emotionally evolved in that way, I don't think I'm doing them any bit of service by fighting that with more fear.
0: Well, one, they're looking for a fight, to to be honest. That's why they're called trolls. You know what I mean? Like they sure. go onto people's pages in general and social media looking for a fight. But if you respond in love, you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing based on who you choose to follow which is jesus
1: right i want to also interject though and say like the other reason i do it is because i want to be a model for mm-hmm. other people looking at my page i get really well intended people say hey eric don't let this get sometimes i do get angry sometimes i get upset i mm-hmm. take i take humor i take sarcasm i, take, I mean you're human you're human I'm human sometimes <laughs> yeah. i delete sometimes i block and some people say oh don't let it get to you right when i try to make a point or get a little upset in a video and i'm like oh It's not that I shouldn't let it get to me. It's that I want to model different ways that you as a viewer can also establish boundaries for the people in your own life. But I do want to go back to you saying hurt people, hurt
0: people, because I am a firm believer in that. But for you personally, because you were hurt a lot by rhetoric, Mm -hmm. by church trauma, how did you get to the point of healing so that you weren't falling into that trap of hurting other people because of your own hurt?
1: I think that I did fall into that trap.
0: Mm.
1: When I was engaged to a woman, um, the way I realized that this was something that I was that was out of my control was when I cheated on her with another guy. Mm. And that's when I realized, oh, being gay is not wrong. But what I'm doing to, to this, this woman is, is very wrong because Mm. it's inflicting pain. I, I made a promise to her and I broke that promise. And the lesson from that is that you know coming out of the closet is choosing authenticity, but risking relationship and staying in the closet or fitting in or contorting to what other people want you to be is is, is, is fitting in, right? It's inauthentic and, and it ends up hurting other people. Um, but moving back to today of you know, when I would push back, it just didn't feel good. Melinda, like it just yeah. doesn't, it doesn't feel good. And I look at the teachings of of Christ and to be very clear, I, I am a Christian who, who does not believe you must believe that this man is your savior in order to get through the pearly gates of heaven. I mm-hmm. think that our God is so much more expansive than that. And I will also argue that Jesus never once says, come worship me, but rather come follow me. Mm-hmm. So when I follow in the footsteps of Jesus and when Jesus says, all can get through, Get paraphrasing, get to the kingdom of heaven through me. I don't think Jesus was talking about an afterlife. I think Jesus was talking about creating a heaven here on earth by walking yes. in the footsteps of Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. I also believe that Christ is universal. I feel like when you are at your highest moment of love, the purest moment of love, I think you are Christ. Mm-hmm. And so I want to be like Christ. I want to be living in a life of love. I want to choose love every time. And while it's easy and while I stump to fear and while not to fear, there's nothing wrong with fearing. What happens, Melinda, I think is that we cover that fear up with tactics like anger, like bullying, because we're not ready to deal with that fear. I would rather be vulnerable and experience the fear so that I can fully experience the love that, that I have. Through that, does that make sense?
0: Yes, absolutely. And one thing that you said in um, in response to the, there's no afterlife, you know that, that, and we're talking about living like heaven on earth. There's a song by a singer songwriter named Joey Dosick, and one of the lyrics says, "If we don't act like we are already in heaven, we'll never know if there is one." Can you say, say that again? I heard, "If we don't act like we are in heaven, we'll never know if there is one." Amen. And that lyric stopped me in my tracks when I heard it. Mm-hmm. And I messaged him, uh, he's a he's an indie singer-songwriter in Los Angeles. I messaged him and I was like, th- I just thanked him for that lyric, that specific lyric. The whole song is great, it's called In Heaven. But mm-hmm. I love that because it's so true. <laughs> It's just so true. We have, that is what we're talking about. We're talking about the kingdom of God. We're talking about heaven. It's about how we treat people here and how we love and accept others. And it's so funny, just like looking over the pandemic, for example, the simplest requests of people to love their neighbor were the hardest things for some people to do. Mm -hmm. So if we can't even do that I don't know how we're ever going to get to this point of accepting people for who they are, for how they look, the color of their skin, for who they love their identities, all that. And it's so frustrating to me because I do think it's a lot simpler than we've made it. I really do.
1: I think that Jesus has and to, for many people been used as a tool to avoid discomfort. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So it's easy for me to say, I'm going to check this box that I believe that this man has saved me and therefore, oh, thank God I am saved. <laughs> right and so what we do when we do that is we separate us from the marginalized from people that are different than us um for you and i which is mm-hmm. very challenging it separates us from them when we yeah. choose fear over love right because it's not easy for us either right yeah. Yeah. in those moments right so i i don't i don't want to live that way i would rather Experience what it was like to be in Jesus's footsteps. Jesus was hated. I'm not comparing myself to Jesus, but Jesus was crucified, in my opinion, by the same people that use Jesus as a weapon today. We look at Paul, and Paul was crucify
0: him if he did come back.
1: Amen. (laughs) We look at any politician, anyone. It's what we do. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, I know Paul is sort of a hot hot topic. (laughs) We love him, we hate him. (laughs) You know, when Paul was imprisoned, he said something to the effect of "Rejoice in the Lord." always i believe that some christians would use that and focus on the word lord do you see that it says lord paul even said it rejoice in the lord right mm-hmm. if you're not then you're an abomination well two things that i think we need to do i think a we need to um we need to f- look at what the word lord means and i i believe the word lord means love i think it's synonymous with love
0: that mm-hmm.
1: there's a huge burden that we put on ourselves with language. We put, we put a word onto something and it has so much weight and it's static. And I don't think it needs to be that way. Yeah. If if the word Lord doesn't serve you, what about the word universe or love? Rejoice in love. And the word I focus on is always, always, always. We always choose this every single moment. We have the option to be present and to connect with what's in front of us. You and I are in communion and we're connecting. And this is heaven, right? Yeah, yeah. If we had a conversation and we put Jesus between us and say, no, you're wrong and this is what this means, I don't think that's heaven. And I think yeah. Jesus should be rolling his eyes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, as a member of the LGBTQ community, I'm curious if you feel like support within the church has grown or do you think it's still a struggle to get the church community to accept the LGBTQ
1: community? I don't think one is is right over the other. I think mm. the answer is yes. You know, the top, as a statistic, the top 100 churches are not affirming. I, Anyone listen- just posted that recently. Yeah, 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 yeah. Boring. <laughs> 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 right. So for anyone listening to be very clear, the word the word affirming means that you as, as a queer person, as a member of the LGBTQIA plus community, you are not just welcome here. You're not tolerated. You are loved and you are celebrated and accepted because of who you are. Mm-hmm. You can be in leadership positions because of who you are, right? Um, a church that is welcoming, it, uh, that's a dog whistle. And that mm-hmm. means, you know, you can sit in the pews. You can give us your money, but you're also going to listen to us you know, at, the, at the pulpit talk about how your lifestyle is an abomination. And if you're, if you're a member of a church and you're listening and you, and you say, actually, my pastor doesn't preach that way, but I guess I don't know if we're affirming or, or welcoming. You're not affirming, right? If you don't know, if no one's gone out of their way to let everyone in the space, know, Jesus says, we want you hot or cold. We do not want you lukewarm, mm-hmm. right? A church mm-hmm. that says, I'm not gonna say the name, but it's like four I live on Le Bray and it's like four <laughs> blocks down for me. You know what I'm talking about, right? It right like with, the big with
0: LASIK. Yeah. Is that kind of kinda right.
1: <laughs> would be too obvious. I was I gonna to be to like a little bit. <laughs> Right, and I've 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 emailed them. I've contacted them. I've asked them, and they've never once responded. I've asked people in their congregations if they're if they're for me. They, go, I think we are. That means they're not. They're not. So I they, will just they're tell you that right now. They're
0: very clearly not. If you listen to their podcast, if you talk to other members, they're. Yeah.
1: not. And it's sad because there are people that go there that that are well-intentioned people that that just don't know. They they're don't people
0: know of the LGBTQ plus community that go there yes. and they don't know because not. Nothing is said. And that, like you said, to me warm. is the 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 key. When it's not said, then you know that they're not.
1: Uh, amen. I would rather you say that I'm not, so that Absolutely. I can make an informed decision of where I spend my time and my money, right? Absolutely. But it's a business. Absolutely. I don't remember what the question was, Melinda. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I was just asking if you felt that support for the LGBTQ community has grown at all in churches, or do you still think it's a struggle? But to to you it's kind of balanced.
1: I think on one hand there is support, on another hand, it's still a struggle. I think when one side grows in in righteousness, the other side gets louder. Mm. Right. And you know, what is it? Oh, I'm getting angry. (laughs) What is it about some Christians who feel that they are martyrs? You are not a victim you were in the united states of america can you get fired for being christian no but did you know that in some states i can get fired for being gay
0: Mm -hmm.
1: right so you are not a victim so just because these other churches are growing it does not mean that there is an attack on your life um i I, so i think they're both growing
0: mo now in general you know that anybody that is how do i word this there's this fear that inclusivity actually means exclusion, but it literally just means being inclusive. <laughs> That's It's literally, it's not pushing anybody out. It's not taking anything away from you. It truly yeah. just means you're being inclusive. And what I don't know sad, why this scary. thought process, It is. It it's really, so scary it, for I'm them. See, I'm getting angry too. But, <laughs> but it's frustrating because there's this thought as Christians that if you Aren't catered to. It's very egotistical, honestly, and that's what pisses me off about the white evangelical space specifically is that everything has to be catered to them, and there's no room for anybody else. But that is complete opposite of what Jesus was and how he was selfless. It's very selfish, and that's how you know that's how you know that they're not actually walking with Christ in the way that they should be, at least. Not that I'm trying to judge. You know, we can get into all that, but that's obvious because it's it's selfish. You're not supposed to be catering to you. You're supposed to be catering to God and to Jesus
1: and what a, what a sad, again, I feel like there's just so much fear. Yeah. No, I'm curious to know what goes through some evangelicals heads as well. When they're, when they, if, if they take the time to pause and really question, do I think I'm actually going to heaven? Because if they believe in this conditional (laughs) sort of love, do they also believe that God has conditional love? For them, because I think that the thoughts and feelings we have towards other people are a direct reflection of how we feel about ourselves. And I don't know about you, Melinda, but whether or not there, I am open to the possibility of whatever happens in the afterlife because I have no control over it, <clears throat> if there is this sort of binary heaven and hell like we've sort of been taught, I am 100% confident that I am loved because of who I am and I know exactly where I'm going to be. And you know what, Melinda? Part of that is because I've gone through the pain and trauma of doubting and of not knowing. Mm -hmm. I think that there's also this big difference between evangelicals and uh, uh, people that are not um, uh, of of what the word faith means. Mm -hmm. I think that there's this twisted idea that faith equals certainty and we wear it with a badge of honor on our hearts. Like, well... I'm going to heaven. This is right. And so much so that I'm in the army of God. So I'm going to fight against you because you disagree with me. I'm just trying to love you and save you, right? Mm -hmm. What if we look at the word faith to mean sitting in the doubt and the uncertainty, because we really don't know, we can't, and allowing ourselves to be uncomfortable and allowing ourselves to feel that fear without lashing out at ourselves or other people for it. Yeah. and just sitting and and allowing ourselves to sit in the question of that i've done that mm-hmm. and while i don't have an i don't have like a, a slip from god saying this is exactly what's happening i have the i have a closer relationship with christ than i ever have before mm-hmm. and it's because i've been if it's because i've allowed myself to be a man of faith and to be a person who will sit in the discomfort and be okay with that
0: i think another thing when it comes to faith is that people think questioning or any form of critical thinking means a lack of faith and I actually completely disagree because if you're not willing to question and and ask and and just do your own research like then I think you actually don't care that much I think the more research you do and you're trying to understand you actually really do care because this is something that you believe in and you want to know that you're going down the right path you know
1: and look, at, and look at Christ. When, when we walk in the footsteps of Jesus Christ like we're talking about, we see the similarities of our lives with, with Christ. In the garden, he was sobbing and saying, and questioning, yes. do I have to do yes. this? Yes. How terrified. I mean, as a human being, could you imagine how terrified you would feel knowing that tomorrow you will feel more pain, physical pain, than anyone should ever have mm-hmm. yeah. to experience. Yeah. And you will be left on a cross, 90% naked, left to be humiliated, spit on, and to die. Mm-hmm. Like, that is scary. Yeah. And so if Jesus can question, and if we're going to put Jesus on this mm-hmm. pedestal, which, by the way, I don't think Jesus wants to be on a pedestal because that's dehumanizing. And I think we're closer to Christ when we realize that Jesus was a human. Then why can't we question and be closer to Christ in the questioning. Yes,
0: yes, I love that. It's, and it's funny that you said that Jesus doesn't wanna be on a pedestal. I often say, I'm like, Jesus never said the word Christian, never. Mm-mm. He never said that. He, he never, he said, like you said, follow me, don't worship me, follow me. Yes. I'm here to show you the example of how to live a life of goodness and love. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Melinda,
1: well, Linda, can I ask you a question? How many times has Jesus talked about homosexuality?
0: Literally zero oh right
1: oh right how many times (laughs) less than that even less than that even well here's the thing there there are books there are canons that have been thrown out i would love to read the story of mary i would love to read the story of judas there were stories that have been thrown out by human beings so i'm actually curious to know if jesus would have been like what the heck are you guys talking about weird people are awesome
0: (laughs) yeah but I think you'd say that about most people that have been 100%. shunned
1: by the white evangelical space. <laughs> it's, I mean, it, love it's is mentioned. Love is mentioned over 550 times. That yeah. we focus on these six verses that we call the clobber passages mm-hmm. because they're used against a, a group of people to control them, and they are mistranslated, and they have nothing to do with homosexuality at all. I mean, the word homosexual was not introduced in the Bible until 1940s, like right? Yeah. Yeah. That's That's
0: crazy. crazy. Which that in itself should let people know how much the Bible is man written. One hundred percent. It's a great tool. Let's yeah, I mean, use it. It's Let's good. talk There's about beautiful it. things in it. But yeah. come on, like you can't actually think that the Bible is the end all be all because the amount of contradictions throughout the entire book is wild. There was this website. It's not in existence anymore, and I'm so upset. But I think it was called like Bible Zine or whatever, and it had every contradiction in the Bible like this little flow chart. And it was crazy to see how in the Old Testament was one thing, New Testament said the same thing, but complete opposite. And even just a couple of chapters or a couple of books later, it was completely different than what was just said. And it's like, come on, like we know that there's so many contradictions, so it's impossible to fully follow. I actually think that would be a really interesting TV show to see someone actually trying to follow exactly what's in the Bible and not being able to do it.
1: You know it's interesting, Melinda. You're reminding me a lot of Scientology, and I'm thinking about the the hundreds of books that what's his name wrote. What's his name? I don't know.
0: Ron, somebody.
1: Howard. Ron. Yeah, Ron. Howard. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so that guy, um, you know, and we look at those books and we're like, these are this is science fiction. How absurd that some people believe this. I'm not mocking the Bible when I say this, but. How, why, why is it different? Just because yeah. that's what you were ingrained in, in, in as a child? Is that the reason you're afraid to question? Okay. Mm-hmm.
0: It's, <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's interesting having conversations with people that think it, this is the absolute truth and there's no like leeway, it's black and white for them, but for you, Hubbard, but, Hubbard, Ron Hubbard.
1: I <laughs> <laughs> like, I can't
0: get past Did this We stuff. say Ron Howard. Oh my god, yes. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm the director. I love Ron Howard. <laughs> yes. Ron Hubbard. Sorry, Ron, not that you're listening. Sorry, Ronnie, we're, we're sorry, but okay, so with, with everything that you've gone through, all the changes you've experienced personally, going through the church, going through church trauma, all of that, and now making this professional shift and being a life coach. What do you feel the most important thing that you've learned about yourself
1: is? That hmm. I'm awesome.
0: <laughs> I love that.
1: And that I'm oh, a child God. of God, Thank and you. that my queerness is a gift, and that I have a purpose to help people, and that I have a growth mindset, which means something happens and it's not static. It's not the end. I can use that as an experience to grow and learn and love, and that. I think my number one job on earth is to love myself Mm -hmm. unconditionally. Yeah,
0: I love that. Well, you know, I adore you and I'm so grateful for your friendship and obviously coming on the show. Can you let everyone know where they can follow you? And if they are interested, if I have any listeners that might be interested in your life coaching, how they can
1: reach out to you for that. Yeah, I love that opportunity. Thank you for that. So Mm -hmm. Instagram, Eric Feltis, E-R-I-C-F, E L T E S. You can also go to TikTok, which is Eric.feltis. Same thing. Um, and like, like, Melinda, whoa, like Melinda, like to buy a vowel, like Melinda said, I'm a life coach who helps other gay men free themselves from church shame. If anything speaks to you, this is not a coincidence. We can have a free, quick 10 minute phone call. I'll hear a little bit about where you're at, where you want to be. And I'll just honestly let you know if I think I can help you. Um, please reach out because. In both Melinda's space and my space, you are safe here, you are mm-hmm. welcome here. And we want to celebrate the person that you are in your in your wholehearted self. So reach out anytime.
0: Beautiful. Thank you so much, Eric.
1: I love you.
0: love you. And to the listeners, thank you for your weekly support of We Need to Talk. Please make sure you like, share, rate, and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you're on Facebook, feel free to join the We Need to Talk discussion group as well. Thank you to Stephen James, our theme songwriter and producer. And we'll talk to you again next week. Remember, everything starts with a
1: conversation. We need to talk.